Hello, my name is Rebecca Mae Johnson. I'm a writer and cook, and this is my Substack. This week's newsletter is about washing up, bad porridge, and a better lunch. There are recipes for white asparagus with butter sauce and a beetroot salad as pattern, and my eating notes from the week. Hatred of washing up. I hate washing up. When Sam was ill, I washed up every two days. Dishes, cups and pans built up a great physical crescendo in the room, covering every surface in wonky piles until washing them took on the quality of a Herculean task. I find washing up so disturbing that I have to summon something like heroism to begin and often allow dishes to accumulate in this way. Washing up reveals a quality in me that I find difficult, a tyrannical perfectionism that can prevent me from even beginning a task lest I not, lest I not finish it immaculately. I find the chaos of dirty dishes overwhelming and I feel an intense urge to impose order on that which is before me. I rove around the house, gathering everything in sight. Collections of small bowls used for snacks, hordes of cups, water glasses in every room, and bring them all into the kitchen. I take every piece of cutlery I can find and add it to the washing up bowl. Then cups, then plates, then large cooking dishes and chopping boards. If I am remotely feeble, the need and the simultaneous impossibility to somehow theorise the washing up pile almost breaks me. Nothing makes me madder than to think that I have completed it, only to find a forgotten teaspoon at the bottom of the bowl, or a cup that has escaped my eye. I often become very angry when I am washing up, and scour my mind for resentments or slights to dwell on. And then I realise that I'm that I'm only furious because I'm washing up. Music that I like to dance to, or an audio book, sometimes take the edge off if I am jolly to begin with. What suits me about having a Lovecraftian mountain of dishes to wash up, rather than a small pile, is that it is not possible to impose an order. Then. I have to accept the unknowability of what surrounds me and allow myself to be carried by the sea of dirty dishes. I give in and wash whatever comes to me first and keep going until it is all gone. In my efforts to rinse every item after I wash it with soap, my clothes and the floor always become very wet. When Sam sees me with a soaked top and, br and sleeves, and briefly wonders why, he soon realises I have been washing up. However, despite the torments I experience when standing at the sink, I am grateful for the encounters that washing up brings about. The grimy, soap-sudsed mirror is also how I come to know my own terrible self. Bad porridge, better lunch. I made bad porridge using a brand of oats delivered with an online food shop 
that had been exchanged for the ones I ordered. Sam and I both have Covid so couldn't go to the shop in person. Even as I was making the porridge, I thought, probably, as with different flours, different oats might take a different quantity of water or time to cook. But I slept badly and wasn't engaged with my task and did not check the consistency and add more water or give the oats longer. Instead, I looked at a few small black bits in the bubbling porridge and wondered how many insects generally get rolled in with the oats and fished out a couple of grain husks that had come to the surface. I poured it into bowls, noting with satisfaction that when I add milk, the porridge floats in the bowl like an island, bobbing gently. I took them upstairs on a tray with coffee to where Sam was reading in bed. I poured the coffee and began eating the porridge. After a minute, I said, These oats aren't really cooked, are they? Chewing on a mouthful. Sam said no. He didn't think he was going to finish them. Sorry. I decided I did not want to eat any more either and took away the bowls so we did not have to contemplate solidifying porridge. I have an image of them continuing to expand in my stomach, he said. I thought about that and considered the discomfort, hoping we would avoid it. Not long after that, I brought up a plate with three halved toasted hot cross buns spread with butter and one bit each with Bon Maman chocolate hazelnut spread for novelty. They were the supermarket's best range of hot cross buns, but we decided that the basic range tasted better. After that, I went to the allotment for herbs and had a look around. The shed, which I had righted with two friends a week ago, was still standing. The chicoria was coming back well where I had cut it, and I took some shoots with scissors to cook this week. I walked around the plot and took pictures of some bulbs returning from last year. Scylla, a pale yellow species tulip, ranunculus, a few daffodils and early wallflowers. Garlic had some good-looking shoots. A few tiny buds forming on the little woody stump of a grapevine. A broccoli floret. I wondered if I should pick it or wait for it to get bigger. I left it for next time. There are a lot of self-seeded baby fennel bulbs that I will pick soon and braise in olive oil with lemon peel. Buds slowly forming on plum, apple, cherry and apricot trees. I picked chives, sweet sicily, parsley and tarragon, all of which returned from last year. I pulled out a weed or two and stepped in puddles that had formed in the plastic covering patches of unworked ground and got very wet socks. As an extravagant corrective to my breakfast flop, I opened a jar of white asparagus to eat with poached eggs at lunchtime. I made a simple butter sauce with some sweet Sicily and chives. It was elegant and sharp and very good, though if I had been able to leave the house to buy expensive bread to have with it, it would have been even better. It was the first time I had eaten white asparagus from a jar, 
and I loved it. Recipes White asparagus with butter sauce and eggs. Ingredients A jar of white asparagus or a bunch of white asparagus cooked until tender. One to two eggs each. Three tablespoons of white wine vinegar. 80 grams of cold butter, cubed. Half a lemon. A small bunch of soft, fresh herbs, one or a mix of sweet Sicily, chives, chervil or parsley. Quite finely chopped. Salt and pepper. Toast or bread to serve. How to make. Put plates in the oven on a low temperature to warm. If, unlike me, you're using raw asparagus, cook it first in boiling salted water until properly tender, then drain and refresh in cold water to stop the cooking, then drain well again. Put on a pan of water to heat that can fit all of your poached eggs in. Wash, dry and chop the herbs. When the water is boiling, reduce the heat to barely a simmer, so it's just bubbling, and crack an egg on the side of the pan and gently drop the egg into the water, close to the water's surface. Repeat with all the eggs and cook for roughly two minutes, making sure the water doesn't come back to the boil. To see if cooked, gently lift an egg out of the water with a spoon that has holes in it and see how wobbly it still is. When the white is set and the yolks are still soft, Remove the eggs through a warm plate or wooden board while you finish the sauce. To make the sauce. In a small frying pan, add the vinegar and the tablespoon of water and a pinch of salt and grind of white or black pepper. Put it on a medium-low heat. Reduce to a third of the volume. Then turn off the heat and begin adding cubes of butter, whisking as they melt. When all the butter is melted, put the asparagus into the butter sauce with two thirds of the fresh herbs. Turn the heat on low for a moment and gently turn the asparagus in the butter with the squeeze of lemon to taste. To plate. Put four asparagus spears on each plate with an egg on top and pour the remaining sauce over the egg and then add the remainder of the fresh herbs on top of that. Season the egg with salt and pepper. Serve with bread. Had I had some white wine at home, I would have had a glass with it. If you find it easier, make soft boiled eggs instead of poached eggs and peel them um, and cut them in half to put them on top of the asparagus. Beetroot, chicory, walnut and goat cheese salad. Arranging the visual components of a salad is a satisfying form of play. The colours and forms allow me to visualise flavour. A synesthetic game, colour flavour. I often forget to cook the beetroots when they arrive in the veg boxes I have variously received over the last couple of years. I did not eat any beetroot growing up as my father never really recovered from a childhood horror of pickled beetroot. In my early 20s, I cautiously tried beetroot with friends who were fans of it 
and found that I liked them. I read recently that they are better eaten on the day they are cooked. And I think I agree with that. Anecdotally, something seems lost when they become fridge cold. Ingredients. Five or six smallish beetroots, washed. A few sprigs of thyme. A garlic clove. Two heads of chicory, or chicory in a mix of other leaves. Washed and dried. One small 125 gram goat's cheese log, cut into one centimetre rounds. Three to four tablespoons of roughly chopped walnuts. And ingredients for the dressing. Two tablespoons of sour cream. One heaped teaspoon of mustard. Half a teaspoon of sugar. Half a tablespoon of vinegar. One tablespoon of olive oil. Salt and pepper. How to make. Preheat the oven to 200 degrees Celsius or 180 fan. Wrap up each beetroot in a piece of foil with a slice of garlic, a sprig of thyme, salt and a drizzle of olive oil. I cut larger ones in half and did the same. Cook until tender all the way through. It took mine around 50 minutes to an hour. Allow to cool for a few minutes, then... Using a small knife, scrape and peel off their skin and trim off any tough bits. Cut the beetroot into one inch pieces and allow to cool further. While the beetroot is cooking, toast the walnuts slowly and make the dressing by mixing all the ingredients together in a small bowl with a fork. Add the vinegar and salt to taste and put it on the table in its bowl with a spoon. Carefully lay the chicory leaves in a fan-like shape in a serving bowl or on a large plate. Then add on the beetroot, placing each piece separately. I did not want the beetroot to stain everything pink, at least initially. Then arrange the slices of goat's cheese in a circle, the walnuts sprinkled on top. If I'd had chives, I would have added some of those too. Serve the salad, ensuring a fair share of cheese and nuts, and then pass around the dressing. Eaten with bread and butter. Eating notes. No outside eating note this week, as we both have COVID and neither of us could leave the house. While in bed this week, I watched a slightly surreal anime series, Kotaro Lives Alone, about a four-year-old boy who lives alone in an apartment block and the friends he makes. In one episode, he makes himself grand meals so that the plates can keep him company and stop him from feeling lonely. When he eats with his neighbours, he only makes one large dish in the middle of the table for them all to eat from, saying he no longer needs the other plates to keep him company as he has friends instead. Sam made a plate of crepes for us to share with lemon and sugar, hazelnut chocolate and butter and sugar. A lunch of cabbage, mashed potato and chopped sausage hash, bread crumbed with a fried egg, ketchup and brown sauce, made by Sam. Delicious. A snack of banana, 
tahini and honey on whole wheat pita bread with roasted sesame seeds and sea salt on top. Thanks for listening.